Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to another episode of Within the Lines. Coming at you on Wednesday, November 10th, 2021. Today we're reviewing the latest installment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Eternals, mm. starring Salma Hayek, Camila Nanjani. That's all I can remember off the top of my Gemma head. Gemma Chan. Um, Angelina Jolie. Ange- Richard Madden. Angelina Jolie also. Yeah. Um, we're gonna Don re- Lee. We're going to review the Eternals. We watched it last uh, opening night. IMAX, Ty's first IMAX movie experience. We'll get his uh, input on that. Um, I don't know. We're going to – I feel like – spoiler alert, we might disagree a little bit on Eternals. I don't know. We'll see when we get not, there. Not like vigorously, but there's going to be some disagreement. Um, and then before that, some movie news, some of which Spider-Man No Way Home spoilers, Ty. Yeah. So if you don't want to be spoiled, Spider-Man No Way Home. You don't want to hear the leaks. You might want to fast forward a little bit because there's been some leaks. They're not confirmed, but they're leaks. So, I mean, maybe it's not spoilers. We're just going to speculate on these possible speculation. Yes, correct. Let's get it. 60% of the time, it works every time. John Stamos. What? We just become best friends. Yep. I don't feel so good. I'm not fucking leaving. Okay, Ty, Spider-Man, No Way Home, leaks, rumors, speculation. Again, if you don't want to hear it, this is your last warning. I would fast forward probably to about the 10 to 15 minute mark of this podcast. Um, This is, again, your last warning. So just to give people time, they did release another look at only the bridge scene. Another still yep. of Spider-Man on the bridge. Yep. And that's literally all they feel. I feel like they've been showing us. It's just multiple angles of Tom Holland on that bridge fighting Doc Ock and Green Goblin. Which I'm cool with. Show me as little as possible. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Um Okay, so the leak, as always. So the speculation for <laughs> I just saw a funny um, po- a Photoshop of uh, this new Spider-Man No Way Home poster, and in the background, instead of Green Goblin, 
It's uh, George Lopez from Shark Boy oh, and Lava yeah. Girl. I've seen that. Um, that's fucking funny. Um, the speculation since this movie was announced, I mean, we've been talking about it for well over a year now, it feels like, is the potential of Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield coming back, reprising their roles as Peter Parker in a multiverse movie as Sony creates this multiverse, or I should say Disney creates this multiverse just so Sony can get their superhero back and use him when they want, and it makes sense. Um, wow. Anyways, um, the, the, the leak is a still of Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire on a boat. On a motherfucking boat. In the Spider-Man outfits with their masks off. Yes. Now, you be- seem to believe Costumes? It. I feel like this is something they could very easily Photoshop. I don't know. I But with that being said, not Sam Raimi. What the fuck's his name? Tobey Maguire? Yeah. It looks older than he ever did in any of the Spider-Man films. Yeah, he he does look pretty old. looks like an old Tobey Maguire, as in like a nowadays in the Spidey suit. That's fair. That's very fair. Um, And, you know, kind of what I said a long time ago is when we first talked about this, not saying we came up with the idea, is the fact that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield don't really have a lot going on. So I don't see why they would say no to this. <laughs> Andrew Garfield a little more so. Tobey Maguire is just chilling off his Spider-Man money and more power to him. If I was like the first big superhero franchise and I was just the Spider-Man and I just made stupid fucking bank off of it, I'd just be chilling at home right now in my mansion. Yeah, I, I, I would too. Um, but so that's that's the speculation. And, you know, now the question is, will we see... A trailer, which maybe it comes out Disney Plus Day, which is the twelfth, two days from the the you know releasing of this podcast. Yeah. Um, will we get a trailer for Disney Plus Day? I don't know. I don't really know why they would do that on Disney Plus Day, but that's Sony's just like a day so, that's coming up. Yeah, Sony's just been so weird about their release things. People are speculating before Ghostbusters, which comes out, I thought next week. <laughs> I was wrong. Yeah, you were. Um, Look, we thought, you know, we predicted that they would release a trailer the Wednesday before Eternals came out. That way they could play the trailer at Eternals. That didn't happen. Um, I'm trying to see, like, if if we look at our upcoming schedule here, Ty, like, is there... I, I don't consider Ghostbusters, like, a big Sony movie, even though... Is Sony make Ghostbusters? I, I think, think so. Said that. Um, I don't know, even though that might technically be big. I don't know if I consider that big. But is there, like... There obviously isn't a big MCU movie coming out. Mm-mm. This is the next big MCU movie. Um, I don't think there's they're going to do it for just any random Disney movie. They're not going to do it for Encanto. Is there an upcoming film where they're like, hey, let's get the trailer out so we could play it for this? And even though, you know, we're going to set the the box office record post pandemic, either way, let's get a new trailer out just in time for this blockbuster movie that's coming out a month before our movie. I don't really see anything. Again, maybe Encanto, but again, I don't know. So if they do Encanto, it's three weeks before Spider-Man, though. Yeah. Which feels right. I feel like we usually get a, another trailer around then. But at the same time, another kind of uh, hurdle they might be dealing with is there's this movie's obviously wonky. It's unlike anything else. They've already established with the Venom post credit scene, you know, not going to spoil that just off the rip without a spoiler alert. But they already, you know, established that. The Morbius trailer, you know, all the things in there. Um, they might, Maybe there just isn't a lot more to reveal without revealing too much. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's whether or not they look at these leaks because that's when the first one got dropped is the first trailer got leaked. And so they're like, all right, fuck it. Drop the trailer. Yeah. And now they look at this. If it's like a, you know, maybe they have different cuts on how much they want to reveal. There's rumors that Sony and Marvel have disagreed on what to reveal in the trailer. Assuming it's probably the fucking three Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, whether they want to reveal it, whether they've been waiting for something. I'm in the camp of not revealing. Yeah. and, And even with this, like it's a leak very well could be Photoshopped. Yeah. 
Um, and I'm going to tell myself that. That way, the, when it actually happens, if they don't show it on a trailer. You hear that original Spider-Man sound, the fucking song come in, you see him swing in the frame. I'm just fucking Lose hyped. your shit. I'm just hyped, yeah. Um, it'll be electric. But if they drop it in a trailer, then it's it's confirmed, confirmed. Yeah. And so whether they want to do that or hold off. Which, I mean, let's be honest. Do they go through all the trouble of bringing all these villains back if they don't bring back the other two Spider-Men? Like, no. No, they don't. Um, that's That's just a lot. And... But to go back to my original point about this movie being a lot and how much to reveal in the trailer, Eternals is a good example. Like, a lot of the stuff we saw in the trailer happened pretty early on or was just, like, nonsense scenes, like, you know, just random shit. But There's like, one from the final thing of her, like, cutting a rock. From, like, yeah. Vine. Like, that's all you get. But, like, the scenes of them, like, kind of standing there, it's, like, literally that opening scene of them in Bangladesh and Bang, Bang, did I say that right? Bangladesh? Is that where I was? I, th- I believe so. I think okay. that's what they said. No, I'm cool with that. Um, I just don't, I don't know. But, I mean, Marvel does this all the time. That's why my theory was all the stuff with Doctor Strange is going to happen literally in the first ten minutes. And this feels like a movie where a lot is going to happen, and they're going to have to get straight into it. <laughs> and like, Yeah, and I, that kind of, you're, you know, it's backed up by the fact that the steals, stills are of the one action scene that they've revealed. Yeah. Of Doc Ock and Green Goblin. And you're assuming that that's going to be early on in the movie. Probably that like might his happen first, right away. That might be the first, like, oh, shit, the multiverse is, is here. Which people would be kind of pissed because I already know there's this this expectation because there's like these OG Spider-Man fi- fans. I follow one of them on Twitter, just, you know, someone I know personally um, that kind of isn't a big MCU fan, but is a big Sam Raimi Spider-Man fan. There's people that are going to expect it to be like a Doc Ock, you know, Green Goblin, like he's going to fight them. Just not really knowing into the know with the MCU and like how the multiverse is going to happen. So there's going to be people that go into this like, oh, yeah, it's the old Spider-Man back. And then he's going to like defeat them right away. And then it's going to be like, oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, there's going to be stages to this, and it's going to be different villains all throughout. Like, you're not going to get a lot of Alfred Molina. Yeah. You're not going to get a lot of Green Goblin. You're not going to get a lot of Electro. You're going to get very little bits of them, maybe all of them at the end again, depending mm-hmm. on what route they go. But it's not going to be a lot of them. And it probably won't be a lot of the other Spider-Man if they are in it. Yeah. Um, you'll probably get, you know, him meeting the one Spider-Man, meeting the other Spider-Man. I don't think they're going to be the center focus of this because at the end of the day, this is Tom Holland's movie. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it's just it's it's interesting. I, I don't know what they're going to do, but uh, the first ten minutes of the movie literally might be the trailer, um, and that whole Doctor Doctor Strange might not be in the movie after the first ten minutes. I mean, well, Tom Holland did do an interview um, this past week, uh huh, and spoke about it and said that like at this point they aren't friends. Um, they're more like work colleagues, like Peter Parker and Doctor Strange. But by the end of the movie, he said they're not like enemies, but he's pretty pissed off with him. And they're butting heads throughout, which okay. I'm assuming, you know, he's the reason he fucked up the spell, caused all this headache. You get the scene of him, like, doing the astral thing of, like, pushing the body, like, mm-hmm. his soul out of his body. So there's going to be conflict there. Yeah. I, I imagine he will appear throughout the movie. You can just get pissed on him. Pissed, pissed on him. He could get uh, <laughs> pissed at him early on, and then a bunch of shit happens at the end. It's just like... We all right? Well, not we all right, but Doctor Strange is just still pissed. He just hasn't really been in the movie yeah. that much. Are you good? Uh, which, all this speculation, I'm shocked Tom Holland hasn't spoiled something yet. Yeah. Um, he also hasn't done very much media, so there's a reason there's, for Yeah, that. they're keeping him locked in a basement. You figure that is the main guy that spoils things, and this is... The most ambitious shit they've ever done. Yeah, I mean, by far. I mean, even with the Infinity Saga, like, you know what's you know all these guys are going to team up and obviously you didn't know what was going to happen at the end of the first one you know and everything and they kept that a secret um but this is a lot so like tom Holland might not even know that he filmed with andrew garfield and toby mcguire they just had like stand-ins and like blue suits and they're just cgi <laughs> after effects adding the spider-man together 
Um, he almost slipped up on an interview. On and I don't know, like he's doing a little press tour thing right now, mm-hmm. and he said something about like working with. They're like, well, you know, asking about Alfred Molina, the other guys, and he was like, yeah, you know, working with these guys and and their takes on Spider Man and all this, and then he paused. He was like. I'm talking about the villains <laughs> like had to clarify because it seemed like he was talking about working with Andrew and Toby and their takes on Spider-Man, which is what he fucking said. <laughs> he was like, wait a minute. Yeah. And this is his first time doing press. So I'm sure we're going to get a lot more press. And I, I mean, I, he may have a mental breakdown and just say the whole fucking plot <laughs> on like Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, <laughs> yeah, very well could happen. Um, and then the other leak that was uh, a leaked still still was, um, a still of them at a, at a table, him, Happy Hogan, Aunt May, and a Daredevil, the Daredevil, I don't know the actor's name, Charlie... Something? Charlie Cox. Charlie Cox, who plays in the Netflix series. Um, also been speculated for a while that he would appear in this in some way, shape, or form. Yep. That yep. one I believe more, but... And that one was the one that was much less confirmed. Yeah. Like, the, the other Spider-Man, you see the other villains, you're assuming they're going to be in it. This one really could have been a complete surprise in theaters if they wouldn't have leaked this. Yeah, I don't know how many people popped for that, though. Not as much, <laughs> but it could have been, you know, not as big of a pop, but a bigger surprise. Like, oh, shit, he is in this. Yeah. Whereas, like, you're expecting the other ones. I wasn't expecting Daredevil to be in this. I was hopeful. Yeah. But sure. I thought they'd for sure go with She-Hulk coming out, have her be the lawyer. Yeah. Um, which, you know, again, could be Photoshopped. Um, so I'm just reading stuff on Twitter here. Again, this is all just speculation. This one account says all three versions of the new Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, which again, I don't even know if how true this is or if they even release a new trailer at this point. All three versions of the new Spider-Man No Way Home trailer reportedly feature all the villains from the film. So no matter which one we get, we'll lay eyes on them all. Here's a theory, Ty, that I just thought of right now on hearing this. What if there is three versions of the trailer? Version one, Tom Holland. Version 2 shows Andrew Garfield Spider-Man right before everything gets fucked up and he gets sucked into this new universe. And then version 3 is Tobey Maguire's point of view of that. You know what I mean? Oh, so it's like Andrew Garfield being Spider-Man and then like the something happens and he's like, what the fuck's it's going like on? It's like three 30-second trailers. I don't know how they play that in a theater, so that might be a problem. But it's like three 30-second trailers where you have whatever Spider-Man happens, you have the scene when everything goes crazy, then you have the Andrew Garfield one. And then you have the Tobey Maguire one. And the end of each trailer is them all, like, meeting each other. And that's the reveal. You know what I mean? You could do it like how people have lined up, like, WandaVision and the other show, Loki, and all the stuff where they're yeah. like, oh, this lines up. You could do it where it's, like, three, like, a like frame, frame, frame. Or like, show a little bit of Andrew, show a little bit of Toby, show a little bit of Tom. And then, boom, at the same instance where, like, everything goes to shit for them individually. Yeah. And then you bring them together at the end of the trailer. Yeah. And, again, this is all reliant on how much they want to show in the trailer. We could get another just 10 shots of a bridge. Yeah, man. Which, I've, you know, we've talked about it. You know, I brought it up. You saw it on IMAX and everything. Uh, the fucking, the, it stutters when he suits up against Doc Ock. Every time. They manipulated something. Every time. Something's wonky there. Because, like, they they have million, multi-million dollar CGI. Like, it doesn't stutter up because it's bad CGI. It stutters up because you had good CGI and you covered it up in this trailer. As yeah, best it's you could. because you did good CGI and then handed it off to a trailer team. Who makes fucking, you know, movie trailers who had to do CGI stuff over it? Yeah. That's not a Sony thing. I'd be thing. surprised if that's Toby suiting up in that scene. Not even... Which, bro, Doc theory right now. I just gave myself chills. <laughs> I just gave myself chills thinking about this theory. That's the beginning of the movie. That's not even Tom Holland fighting them yet. That 
is Tobey Maguire Spider-Man fighting them, and that's part of the trailer. So we're going to get the trailer of Tobey fighting Green Goblin, Doc Ock. How the hell they're alive still, I don't know. Who cares? They can explain all that in the multiverse. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, he's fighting them. Boom, something happens. He gets sucked into, like, this one all, universe. All three of them get sucked in. Yeah. Um, Garfield is fighting. You know, we have that still of Electro in the sand. or Well, Sandman's Tobey Maguire. So it doesn't make a lot they also of sense. have reptile though from Andrew Garfield. Okay, so yeah, Andrew Garfield's fighting whoever. Yeah, reptiles and- Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Andrew Garfield's <laughs> fighting whoever. Something happens. Boom, he gets sucked in, and then yeah. you have the Tom Holland shit with Doctor Strange we've already seen. Boom, and then you you don't even have to show all of them together. But I like that's actually I like that theory a lot, Ty. I'm th- that's my new theory on the movie. Is that initial Tom Holland scene we saw? That's not Tom Holland. That's Tobey Maguire fighting them before the the whatever multiverse happens. I like it. Everyone, and then eventually they've they'll already fight. said that's Tobey Maguire's outfit from Spider-Man Three. Yeah, and then eventually they'll, you know, Tom will fight them, but not, not in that. Scene. Not on the. So you're saying Tom Holland is not on that bridge? Yes. Okay. That is my theory. I gave where does Venom chills. come into play here? And so credit. Just a boom over. I don't the, think he's in the movie. You don't think he's in the movie at all? I think maybe end of the movie, but they're saving that. They're they're. I don't think he's like a villain. He's fighting. You know what I, I mean? I think he gets thrown in somehow. I I I don't, but I think that's too big of a property. I I think they tease the end. I think they tease the post credit scene of Venom because they want him in this movie. I think, I don't think they do that. If I, he's I not. think post credit is Venom, or end of movie sets up a Spider Man Venom movie. I think that's what's next. Okay, if I'm being honest, but we'll I'm see. excited to find out. I can't wait for this movie. Does Daredevil suit up as Daredevil, or is he just Matt Murdock, the lawyer in this? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I, I honestly don't know. Do we get a Ben Affleck as Daredevil? Yes. Old, and, and old Daredevil. Oh, okay. They're going to go cross. They're doing everything. Uh, they're going cross comic book, just like Eternals actually went cross comic book. Had a Superman reference yeah. in the film. Wild. Wild move. Literally had the son say, I thought you were Superman or whatever the case is. Yeah. That's Superman. Yeah. And he's like, I don't, I don't wear a cape. It was like, it was the, what is the Incredibles? Or it's like, ah, uh, capes are bad. Yeah. He, he went full Incredibles there. Um, which it's funny though, is because I think that was a nod to Zack Snyder because Chloe Zhao did say the character Icarus, Icarus, Icarus in Eternals actually took credit from, um, Zack Snyder's portrayal of Superman in the justice league, which was pretty obvious. (laughs) I mean, I'll I'll discuss. She did. She did say in an interview like that. He took inspiration. Yeah. Do you want to hop into Eternals? Let's talk about it. Within the lines would not be possible without anchor by Spotify. It is the easiest way to make a podcast and has been how we have made our podcast for over two years now. Anchor has everything we could need to make a podcast. And if you were thinking about starting your own podcast, you definitely should take advantage of their resources. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. We have fancy mics. You don't need a fancy mic to use Anchor. When hosting on Anchor, you can even distribute your podcast to listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Wherever you want to listen to your podcast, Anchor does that work for you. You think me and Tyler are smart enough to figure this stuff out by ourselves? Absolutely not. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And of course, the best part, because me and Tyler are cheapies, Anchor is totally free. Anchor's been great for us. It's been what we have been using. Um, We highly, highly recommend it. And if you were thinking about making a podcast yourself, we encourage you to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Let's get back to the pod. The Eternals, a race of immortal beings with superhuman powers who have secretly lived on Earth for thousands of years, reunite to battle the evil deviants. That's that's the only synopsis I can. Which isn't what happens in the movie. Um, whoa, bro! There's more. 
Kinda. So Eternals. Um, it is the latest MCU release. It is a source of I don't want to say controversy, a source of controversy. Um, getting bombed critically. Yeah, the worst on in terms of Rotten Tomatoes, the worst MCU movie to date. Eighty audience isn't great either for an MCU movie. Still good, not great yeah, it's compared fine. to its peers. Um, and Eternals. Just the more people that see it have reviewed it poorly. Um, it started floating around fresh, not certified fresh, and then it went down. Then it continued to go down. Top critics give it a 35%. 47, I don't know if I said that, on um, Rotten Tomatoes. 47 critic score. Reviews. Now, it's interesting. I, I've been trying to work on my pauses here, but it's just like I have a theory with this film, and while I know we're going to disagree – this review is actually pretty funny. The MCU's first DCEU film. Um, <laughs> That's fucked up. <laughs> Don't do them like that. Don't do who, Marvel or DC? <laughs> Either. <laughs> um, well, there's two things here. Like, first I read this review from Aaron Dicer of Sift Pop. Marvel is the peanut butter of movies. Zhao, Chloe Zhao, is the filet mignon of directors. And I just wasn't enjoying peanut butter steak. <laughs> Which is funny. But, like, there's been a lot of, like, this isn't Marvel, this isn't Chloe Zhao, blah, blah, blah. I've seen a lot of that. Oh, yeah. I also have a theory, Ty. And I, I don't want to, you know, bash film critics. I'm going to say fellow film critics because I'm going to consider us a film critic. We're getting there. We are an audio film critic. Yeah. I think there is a tendency with these things, both good and bad, to jump onto the consensus. 100%. Um, yeah. I don't think people No one are... wants to be the guy who stands out and be the fucking Armin White. I don't want to – it's not because of the, the gay kissing. That's stupid. I mean, maybe there's an idiot. Armin White hasn't reviewed the film yet, so he's not in here yet. Um, but, like, this person gives it a 3 out of 5 and gives it a rotten. 5 out of 10 rotten, I guess, if that 50%. Um, but you see a movie's doing bad, and you go into the film, especially a, a film as not compelling – I guess compelling as an MCU film, as, you know, big – it's just a big – it's a big deal. It's, it's, you know, people make calendars around these things. And you see it has a bad review as a film critic, and you kind of go into it with this preconceived notion that, like, this isn't going to be good. And then you look through it through those colored glasses. And the same thing happens if a movie gets really good reviews. You know, you go into Toy Story 3. I love Toy Story 3. I'm not trying to shit on it. But you go into Toy Story 3, and you see it has great reviews, and you're going to look at it through rose color, you know, tinted glasses. And these things just happen. I mean, it happens with some of the Pixar films where we've talked about, I believe, like, Luca, like, did amazing. And both of us were just like... Yeah, we'd probably give it fresh. I don't know if it was as good as we thought. Um, 91, like that just didn't feel like a 91 film. Not at all. And it's just one of those things. And Marvel sometimes benefits from this. I'm not saying every Marvel movie is overrated. But like, see, I was going to bring up Black Panther as an example. But that has cultural impact. So I don't want to say that that doesn't deserve the score it got. But Well, even like a movie like Black Widow. Yeah. Like that was a very mid movie. It's sitting at 79% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Yeah. There's... Significantly higher than this. Yeah, you just people jump onto the trends, and I think they look through it in certain rose color glasses or bad color glasses. And I think that's what happened with Eternal, and especially with Chloe Zhao. I think having Chloe Zhao be the director of this maybe brought out a new film critic audience that maybe wouldn't review MCU movies otherwise that are already preconceived to not like these films. Um, like, what's his name? Not Francis Coppola, uh, the guy who said Marvel was ruining cinema. Oh, um, the uh, Irishman Scorsese. director. Yeah, Scorsese. Um, so, yeah. I think there's some of that. And I do think, and we're going to talk about it, I do think this is a lower mid-tier Marvel movie. I, I do. And I think when there's a lower mid-tier Marvel movie, 
plus the bad things. Like, it's just easier to shit on. You know what I mean? Like, y- you can't yeah. shit on Ragnarok. I mean, Ragnarok is great for different reasons, but, like, it'd be harder for people to, la- you know, latch onto that. Whereas with this, it's kind of like, oh, people are already reviewing it bad. It's mid-tier, whatever. Whereas you go look at Thor Dark World, which is much worse than this movie, and I'm pretty sure that's fucking fresh. Oh, yeah, um, it's a, that's a fucking awful film, and it's um, sitting in, like, the 70s, about, 60s. Awful for it's, Marvel standards. Yeah, it's bad food. That's a bad film. <laughs> it's just boring. Um, the CGI is not great. Yeah, 66%. We're like, again, Marvel wasn't as big back then. It was still early in the Marvel. I mean, it was big. Don't get me wrong. But it also didn't get the, you know, the the artsy film reviews. I mean, shit, this movie has 285 Eternals. I said, what, 362 or whatever it was. And if you take all these people and you tell them to watch Thor of the Dark World with the same expectations, that movie might have a 20%. So I think it's yeah. just like expectations versus what you got. And since it wasn't an upper tier Marvel movie, it was easier to shit on. I mean, Iron Man 3, 79%. That movie wasn't good. <laughs> no, and I think you, you touched on it when you said like the Chloe Zhao thing has brought out people who are expecting something different. Um, you get the people who are expecting Chloe Zhao type movie, Nomadland. Yeah. And then you get the people who are expecting an MCU movie. And this isn't either of those. Yeah. This is a hybrid. And I feel like because it's not one or the other, that's causing people to shit on it. Yeah. Because you either go in wanting Marvel, not really getting it, or going in wanting, you know, um, Chloe Zhao, and still not really getting it. Yeah. And I feel like that leads to the lower reviews than what this movie maybe deserves. And it being the MCU, it's as many eyes on it as possible. Yeah. Um, And, you know... the critic score is just too low. There's no excuse for it. There's no reason it should be as low as it is. Yeah. If it's not your favorite, I get it. But there's a lot to like in this movie when you don't go into it with expectations. It's also a weird in-between, too, because you look at a movie like Ant-Man and the Wasp, which I know we are not fans of. Um, I have to go back and rewatch that to see how much I really hate it or not hate it. I just remember hating the villain um, profusely. But like Ant-Man and the Wasp, as kind of base-level Marvel as it is, it was funny. It was lighthearted. Like, you know, uh, Paul Rudd's fantastic. You know, I'm not. Yeah. He's still funny as what's Ant Man's name? I don't remember Ant Man's name. Um, he's still great as Ant Man. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know his, his name. With his com- Scott Lang, with his yeah. comedic relief and everything, like he's really good. And you could take kind of just a, a very vanilla, very base level Marvel movie with that kind of charisma of a Paul Rudd, you know, funniness that is, and people are more likely to walk away from it, be like, yeah, that was fine. Whereas with the Eternals, it's really long. And, like, there's funny moments, mostly Camille Nanjani. Don't get, it, don't get me twisted. Um, but it's not, like, funny like a Marvel movie. But it's also not dark like a DC. I feel like there's two things with superhero movies, unless you're, like, the original Raimi trilogy where you were just a trailblazer, which that's – or, like, the first Iron Man. That's different. Nowadays, with all this content, you either have to be, like, this funny Shazam, you know, all the other Marvel that bring humor into it or yep. – be a spectacle like the fucking big ass movies you know like endgame yeah or you kind of have to take this dark route and take like the new batman route or whatever you know everything Zack snyder did with his cut and kind of suicide squad which is funny and dark and this is kind of just neither of those things it's again it falls in between where there's moments of comedic relief that are fantastic on like it's it's very funny in those moments but it's not centered around those moments yeah. it's not a funny movie necessarily and it's not a dark movie but it is very serious at points and it does you know have conflict and it's their serious scenes and emotion and it's it doesn't fully focus on that either but when you're stuck in between like that it it, same thing as before your expectations expectations and what you want to see versus what you get can kind of maybe blur your overall opinion on what you actually got 
Yeah, and I mean, we could look at... There's exceptions to the norm, of course, but like we can look at like the top Marvel movies, and I could probably pinpoint why they're rated so high critically. I mean, Black Panther, very good film, terrible CGI at the end. Um, very good film, very culturally impactful, one of the most impactful movies culturally of our lives of all time in cinema. Absolutely deserve its score. Avengers Endgame, it's a big fucking deal. Yeah, like, highest just, grossing movie of all time. <laughs> yeah, it's just there's it's a huge spectacle. You know, whatever. Iron Man, The Trailblazer, Thor Ragnarok, number four, the funniest MCU movie, yeah, like by far. That is the MCU comedy. Um, Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi, excuse me. Which, funny, has humor. Aquan Fenwa is great. Morris Aquafina. is fanta- fantastic. Um, also, a little bit of the cultural, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Cultural kung fu? No. <laughs> you, you did like the, a fucking hand motion. The, you're doing like karate. Representation. Like the representation oh, yeah, yeah. and everything. And obviously, you know, very important. I'm not and Like the fight styles it. and stuff. It's its own unique thing. Um, yeah. Spider-Man. Everyone loves Spider-Man. Don't get me wrong. And it's just funny. And, you know, it's just Spider-Man movies are great. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, same thing. Killer soundtrack. Funny. Chris Pratt, you know, leading star. Avengers, big deal. The first one. Um, Ultron didn't do as well. Far From Home, same thing. Like, Civil War, big deal. Captain America. Like, I don't know. There's the... There's this, like, equation almost to make a good Marvel movie or a good superhero movie critically, and this just doesn't fall in that equation. Yeah. And I don't think people – there's nothing to latch on to one way or the other. And, and I think you, you kind of touched on it, too, with Ultron, which didn't get a good score. That movie is the most unaware of what it is, like, tonally out of any of the big movies. Because that one, it still has the MCU jokes and stuff, but it also tries to be serious. Yeah. And it's very similar to this in a way where it's not one or the other. It doesn't fit into the formula. And a lot of people don't like it. And I will say, I think this is a better movie than Age of Ultron. It's been a while since I've seen Age of Ultron, but also I'll agree with but you. But I think in terms of score-wise and critic review, it falls very similarly into the same kind of thing where it's not one or the other, and that hampers people's opinions on it. Yeah. And even a film like Black Widow, which I may or may not have given a higher score for certain reasons, uh, very more vanilla compared to this. But like, there's even there's the little bit of like, you know... I don't want to say women empowerment, but there there are those themes that, you know, like I'm reading the critic consensus. It says Black Widow's deeper themes are drowned out in all the action. Okay, but they're saying it's drowned out, but they're still, you know, acknowledging that there's deeper themes. Eternals, like, I don't know if there's a deeper theme in Eternals. I just don't. Like, it's, you know, like you have the stuff, you have the gay character, you know, you have the every character is a different race, but that doesn't really matter because they're Eternals. They're not technically have a race, you know what I mean? They just hit the random button, young, old Every yeah. ethnicity, it's, you know. I, I just, I, I don't know if there's a deeper theme here. And maybe that's part of the reason the people who were looking for something deep with Chloe Zhao, like, they didn't latch on to that deeper meaning that they might have latched on to in a movie like Black Widow, whether or not it's as deep as they think, and might have given them, you know, a better review. Um, but you look at Marvel recently, like, you know, I still enjoy all the Marvel movies. I really enjoy the Marvel TV shows. But, like, you have Eternals, which is doing bad. You know, Captain Marvel didn't do fantastic. Black Widow didn't do fantastic. Um you know, it's just like post Infinity War Endgame. Like, are they struggling, Ty? Has they lost their touch? I mean, the shows are still great. Shang Chi was also, I think, my highest, yeah, second highest rated Marvel movie. Shang Chi's in our top ten. Even though I I've only reviewed like three movies on the podcast here, um, it's just different, and that's why it I, it shouldn't be. A, we're gonna disagree. I know you're gonna give it higher than me. I wouldn't have given it a rotten. I wouldn't have given it close to a rotten. I am over ten points, being rotten. So you're just giving away your score. I'm at least over 10 points is what I'm saying. Oh, at least. Okay. Like, so I'm there's 10 cushion. points. It more. wasn't almost rotten. Yeah. Okay. Like gotcha. never in this. 
and I will say the longer I let this movie sit, I did deduct some points when I thought about it more. Maybe that's not fair to the movie. If I would have done this review the day after, maybe I would have given it like three or four points higher. But this is where I've landed. We've typically here recently, if it's like a movie thing, we watched it on Tuesday, review it on Wednesday. This had a lot more time to sit and simmer. Which kind of lowers your score, which if I did that with every film, like probably would affect it. I mean, I've gone back and like Black Widow, I give it a 20 because I was just perplexed by IMAX. And I just I went back and changed it later. Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Which leads me to plot slash story tie, which I will spoiler alert to the the listeners, not the plot and the story. If you're this deep in the podcast, you are already ready for the spoilers. The spoiler for me is this was my biggest gripe with the film. Okay, that's fair. There's there's story issues. I gave it an 11. Okay. 12 is usually my, you had a story, you know, baseline, whatever. I gave it 11. I thought this movie was maybe 20 minutes too long. And I, I we talked about it in the car ride home. And I've talked about it with Riley, and she refutes me every time. And I just – I don't – I not that I don't like. I didn't understand the whole deviant storyline. They kind of worked it in with Icarus being like, oh, I wanted to distract you, blah, blah, blah. But the whole thing where, like, the deviants were stealing the powers, and you created, like, this big, bass bo- big bad boss deviant. That's what I was trying to say there. <laughs> um, you know, that's almost like a hybrid of all these, you know, and you literally turn him into a talking bean and he has a little monologue that says, you guys are going to pay for what you did to our kind. And then just to have one of them, Angelina Jolie's character, just kill him. And like, I, I it just felt pointless with everything else going on with the, the celestial. I'm fine if they wanted to throw the deviants in there as like a roadblock. I just, the whole like absorbing, absorbing powers and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know why that was in the film, and it would have been redemptive because when it was happening, I was like, okay, uh, Thena, that was her name, Thena's going to kill this thing, and that's going to give her her confidence back, and then she's going to go fucking kill Icarus or something. Like, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of what happened. She killed it. She got her confidence back, and that was it. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there was no real reason. I was also upset with Camille Nanjani just not being there for the final scene. That's definitely no Camille bias. There's no yeah. explanation for it, though, because he's the only one not there who's still alive. Yeah. That's not Kumil bias. That's just that there for as much as I may or may not have enjoyed this film. <laughs> when you think about it, there were story issues. Yeah. And I think their idea for the deviants was for them to be like the mini boss. Yeah. And they spent so much time hyping them up as the main boss and revealing yeah. all this about I've never seen a deviant do this before and take the powers away and, and heal itself and literally start talking. <laughs> yeah. Give it, you know, it becomes fucking like. I don't know, sentient, but it becomes, like, more human than the other deviants. Like, the other deviants are, like, fucking animals. This one's, like, an animal-human hybrid where it's, like, speaking and standing upright unlike the others. And you do all this, which makes you think, like, this is going to be useful in the plot later. Yeah. Like, there's going to be something about this deviant that makes him different than the others, and there's going to be a reason for this. And there's not. I think the reason was is they needed action. Like they they just needed action scenes, and when you have the the you know the celestial being born, like that's your one thing. And yeah, you get the action scene at the end with Icarus fighting everyone, but um, that's like your only real thing. Like you can't really have action. Maybe a way to fix it is um, I see. I don't know how this works with the lore. What's the guy's like the guy who was in charge of it? Um, the big boss that the celestial. Is that also a celestial? Is it just a celestial? The red, the red yeah. guy. Yeah, he's the celestial, and he was helping the birth of another celestial. Um, but I, I don't know his name, so I don't know how this would have worked with like his role and everything, and him knowing what's going on. Because I feel like he knows everything, but then again, he didn't know that they were going to stop the celestial being born. I don't know. Um, what if like he like created like 
new deviants because they revealed that he created the deviants before and then he had to create the eternals to fight the deviants like an easy fix and be like oh this guy knew what was going on they were trying to stop the celestial he couldn't interfere with it for whatever reason you know they can make up their own marvel bs rules so he created these super deviants to stop them pretty much like that at least would be something or you have him be a talking evolved like a super deviant from the beginning and the same way that Selma Hayek's Ajax could talk to the Celestial, you have him communicating with the Celestial at the very yeah. beginning of the movie and like, I need you to do this and stop the Eternals from well, stopping this. you don't have to this. show it in the beginning of the movie. You could like but reveal throughout that the movie, on, Yeah, but yeah. have it to where he's also communicating and he's working for the Celestial. Yeah. And then it creates this thing of explanation as to why he's here, why he's better than the other Deviants, mm-hmm. what he's doing and why they have to defeat him to get to their end goal. Yeah, because they also didn't explain why that Deviant was better. Like they've been fighting these Deviants At for all. thousands of years. They didn't explain it whatsoever. Literally thousands of years. And then what's her name gets thrown, you know, Sama Hayek's character gets thrown in the ice the deviant kills her or whatever, and then like sucks her powers out. Like, why didn't any of the other deviants do well, that? And like, they're, they're, I think their comment, you know, they talked about how the reason he created the Eternals and they're different from the deviants is the deviants started evolving. They were frozen but, in ice. Yeah, they were like they didn't show any reason why that one evolved past the others. Yeah, and there was no explanation, and and that that is an issue. Yeah. Now the rest of the story, you know, obviously the deviants are are kind of like the the roadblock, the action scenes throughout. Oh, before you get on to the maybe good parts of the story, can we talk about Camille not being there for the final fight? Yeah, scene? yeah, and that made no fucking sense. It was like so obviously you have Icarus and Sprite who decide to turn on the rest of the team. Yeah, and try and allow Sprite's this. Got a crush on Icarus, yeah. Yeah, and so she was like, "I'm gonna go with him." And then you had Kumail's character, uh, Kingo, mm-hmm. who was like, I- "I'll follow you anywhere. Like I'll always have support you." But then finds out that, like, oh, wait, you're doing the other thing. So I'm just not going to be here. I'm not going to participate on I don't want to be either side of this. I don't want to watch the fight. I'm, I'm not going to be a part of this and just leaves. Yeah. And it's such an odd choice. Yeah. And then, like, literally just, like, no mention of him. Nothing like, at all. Nothing there to the end. Nothing until the very, very end of the movie where he's just talking with Cersei again. And Sprite. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I guess I get what they were doing. With the character and being like, I don't know, maybe wanting to be different, but I don't know, man. It, it was such, it was a very, very odd choice to keep the one Eternal out of the main scene. Yeah. <laughs> and just him. The other ones, they are either dead or, you know, there. And that's it. Yeah. You had Ajax, who was dead. You had, um, what is his name? I'm looking for it. Gilgamesh. Yeah. Who was dead. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's why they weren't there. Mm-hmm. That perfectly makes sense. Everyone else takes a part of this final scene except for Kingo. Yeah. And why? I don't know. And another thing, I, the, a question I had when me and Rai talked about it and she was trying to explain it to me, and I, I just don't think it stands up, is, like, the end of the movie, they all get, like, you know, the Celestials being born, and they all start floating, and their powers, you know, interlock or whatever, and then that's what gives uh, the main character Lotus? Not Lotus. What's her name? Who? Cersei? Cersei. I don't know where I got Lotus from. I mean, it sounds Uh, like it. They could have named one of them Lotus. You would have got away um, with it. Cersei, you know, that's when she turns it into stone or whatever. Um, But they literally made the comment, the the inventor guy made the comment like, oh, I was wondering how we didn't die when the Celestial was born. It's because we bond to the Celestial, you know, when he's being born because that's the whole reason they were, like, floating up with it. Where's Camille? Shouldn't Camille be bonding with it, too? He's just not there. Yeah, and so they said, like, we're all touching the Celestial or whatever, and that's why we had that connection. Yeah. But, like, if Camille, there should have been a line just going off screen to Camille. Yeah. Like, just in a house somewhere, (laughs) in his plane, like, floating. Yeah. No, seriously. And, like, Riley was like, oh, well, he was farther away, like, 
blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, if you think about it, like the whole, the, the creator guy said, that's how the Eternals don't die when this happens. Do you think every Eternal on every planet, because in theory, this has happened billions of times yes, on all these different planets. over and over. You think they're always just characters. next to each other? Yeah. Like, no, they're going to, they don't know this is going to happen. They're going to be on different parts of the world. And like, that's so easily solved by just having Kingo take place in the final fight scene. Yeah. Have him there. Have him just trying to like fucking mitigate and not yeah. taking either side. Fucking throw him with Athena. Let him fight with Athena. <laughs> like, seriously. Have him just fucking meditating. Yeah. Have him just recording and directing and narrating the fight scene like he was doing throughout. Yeah. That would have been so funny. It would have been great. Obviously, the humor would have taken away from the seriousness of like the final act. Yeah. Uh, there was issues with the story. With that being said, I haven't given my score yet. <laughs> no, you haven't. <laughs> I gave it a 15. <laughs> okay. Because, for me, <laughs> the roadblocks in it and stuff were the issue, but the main story... It was just about the team coming together and the emotional character stuff and all of the characters, um, you know, they become Eternals. They think they defeat the Deviants and then they're stuck on Earth for thousands of years. Yeah. And that's the whole reason they want to stop the Celestial from being born is because they've spent so much time there. They've grown fond of it. They don't want to destroy this planet, which they think is worth, you know, staying alive. They don't think the cost of creating new life is worth ending all this life. But they let Thanos end half the life. Which was part of the reason that they also didn't <laughs> no. agree with the Celestial is because that they would have interfered. The emergence? Yeah. Is that what they called it? Yeah. Could have happened sooner. Yeah. So that's kind of where they, the doubt grew. And, like, all of that I thought was great. The way they showed the two different timelines with the team coming together now and obviously how they didn't want to do shit anymore and they had different lives and they've grown apart. And then showing the past on how, like, each of them, you know, maybe – had that realization of they're going to stop doing what Ajax tells them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's, I got to find his name. I'm, I'm going for the name Druig and where there's like that final fuck or that giant battle in the city. And he just takes over the city and makes them stop fighting. Whether it's Fastos and him coming to the realization that his technology led to a fucking atomic bomb, mm-hmm. which is just wild. They're just like, yeah, this guy's stopping a battle. And that's where he finally breaks free. Like, well, what'd the other guy do? World War Two, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like okay, not just World War Two, the nuclear bomb, yeah, yeah. Like, but you know, all of that and how they told the story and how it showed their past, showed their current, you know, where they're at in life, you know, their their issues with everything. I liked that a lot. Mm-hmm. I liked it, and it was a slower paced movie. And I do I think it was a little long. Yes, I think they could have cut some of it. They could have sped some of it up. But I think overall what the Gemma Chan brought to this was the character stuff um, and the emotional relationships between this team less than the action and typical superhero type story, which is probably why this lacked when it was the deviants and and what you would expect from a superhero thing like this, her aspect of it and the stories and how they all connected and had different relationships throughout. I liked that. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't have a problem with that and it may have been slower, but I was never bored. I was interested in all the different stories and the different characters and, and why they are the way they are and all of that. Yeah. And I appreciated that. Well, so 15 isn't a great score. It was a 16, and, and the more, you know, I dropped it down even to a 15 because there's issues with it. There is issues yeah. with it, and we hampered it, you know, talked about it. With that being said, the main part of it is the relationships and connections, and I did enjoy that significantly. Yeah. Now, I'm just looking into the Eternals here. As you were going on that monologue, half of which I was listening to, I'll be honest. Appreciate that. 
Um, he just laughed at my score and then zoned me out. Um, I was listening to half of it. And I'm just trying to figure out where this story comes from. And I'm looking at, like, I'm sure there's comic books and I'm, I'm missing things. The Wikipedia and the, the wiki comic book, whatever, can only take me so far. So I'm not going to pretend like I know everything. But, like, I'm, I'm looking at it, and it's, like, the one thing I'm very, I don't want to say confused on, but, like, interested to see how they address moving forward is the whole idea that, you know, these Eternals were created almost, like, in a factory, and their memories are, like, literally in this little thing, and blah, blah, blah. Like, almost makes them feel like robots, like they even said, and they get yeah. reborn and everything. And then you have Thanos' brother, spoiler, Harry Styles, who is supposed to also be an Eternal, but how is he Thanos' brother if he's an Eternal? Did he say, I'm also an Eternal? I believe so. I know in the comic books he is. So I don't know if I think Thanos is technically eternal. I think they're going to change it from the comic book. Um, But that's what I'm looking at here. It's like it looks like the origin of the um, Eternals, as it says, when the Celestials visited Earth one million years ago and performed genetic experiments on early proto humanity. They created two divergent races, the long lived Eternals and the genetically unstable and monstrously grotesque deviants. These experience, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Now, my understanding is like Thanos and, and Eros, you're right. They are Eternals. The reason Thanos looks the way he is is he also has like a deviant gene. That's why he's big and purple and fucking ugly. And they could explain that, obviously, with Harry Styles' character. Um, I just like – it's just – it's it's a problem with um, the whole uh, – it's just the Marvel problem. And you could say this in every movie. And I, I didn't take away for this, but it's like – a celestial is being born. Like, where the fuck is Doctor Strange? Or where the fuck is this person? Like, you know what I mean? And it's just like, this is such a big thing. Like, this is literally like, this isn't, you know, Iron Man 3 and you have the guy who's trying to do whatever. Like, this is literally the Earth just, like, completely shattering This and is rupturing. an Avengers-level threat, I would say. Yeah, and it's just like, how they, like, they have time to explain it, so I'm not knocking it for it. I'm just more, I understand why people would be confused, because it's a lot of, like, where are the Eternals placed with everything else and like where are they moving forward? And you have the guy literally grabbing Cersei out of the sky and said, you know, Earth's judgment is coming soon. And it's just like I could see people being a little upset, being like, okay, everything the Avengers does doesn't matter because the Celestial can just show up and literally fucking destroy it. Which maybe in the future it is, and maybe that Celestial is Galactus. I don't know if Galactus is a Celestial, but I fuck. That's been rumored to be the next, you know, big MCU villain, so... And I think when we get to visuals, we can talk about it. They figured out the technology to make Galactus work. Oh, yeah. That, big time. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not sure, uh, you know, how the, all that plays in. I think their explanation, like, there was an earthquake, so they, like, obviously they're aware about everything, and then they knew where to go, and obviously the Avengers wouldn't, and it's like Doctor... It's not like a full Avengers anymore. Yeah, like, no, they're, yeah, They're very sure. much split up. No, um, I'm not. And you have yeah. like the grounded guys, but then there's Doctor Strange, Scarlet Witch, who you feel like would show up. Yeah, but they, I think they put it on the other fucking part of the world, away from the United States. And if you had to ask, that was probably their explanation. Like they knew the Avengers didn't, and it was so far away they didn't have time to get there. No, for sure. It's just oh bullshit. Doctor Strange got portals. <laughs> He'd be there instantly. Um, but it, it's it's just the whole how this intertwines with the rest of the MCU, but and more so like. The Eternals and the the um, the other people. Avengers. No, the Guardians. No, the Celestials. Got it. How they're going to weave that in moving forward. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, there's going to have to be a way where they overlap. Um, you And and the thing about this movie. They, they've done this in the comic books all the time. So it's like they've dealt with this problem. So I, I yeah. believe in them, you know. And this movie, like, honestly, aside for some side comments and who's going to lead the Avengers now, and I used to hang out with Thor, you remove those. This is a very standalone film. Oh, for There's sure. There's zero 
Marvel superhero interference, uh, you know, uh, interweaving. There's none of it. Yeah, for sure. The, I mean, if the, without the just stray comments saying, hey, we're in the same universe, the only connecting factor is Harry Styles saying he's Thanos' brother. No, for sure, yeah. Um, another thing I was thinking of, this is more just turning into, like, future of the MCU talk, whatever. Um, is this was supposed to happen? I had the theory on the car ride home that maybe this was part of the blip. Or not the blip, but the, that's what the snap is. But the whole, you know, Loki, the timeline, and part of the timeline going off is them stopping the Celestial from being born. And like, oh, that's the timeline is breaching. You know, the Celestial was going to be born. I don't think that's the case because Kang would have never existed because he said he was, you know, he's from Earth in theory. But could have been in a different universe. I don't, I still, my brain doesn't fully understand other timelines and stuff. <laughs> and I don't think it ever will. <laughs> and I don't think even they fully can, like, explain it away because it's just so fucking bizarre. Yeah. Honestly, Loki lives in its own little thing. Like, sure, I'll accept whatever they say in there. I don't want to think about it in its implications <laughs> in the actual I think of MCU. it. Um, anyway, I, I could think of it, but there's no explaining it. And it hurts my brain. Looking at Galactus real quick. Galactus was originally the Explorer Gallon of the planet Ta, which exists in, in prime pre-Big Bang universe. With an unknown cosmic cataclysm. Cataclysm? Cataclysm. Cataclysm. Gradually begins killing off all the other life in his universe. Gallon which is Galactus, and other survivors leave Ta on a spacecraft or engulfed in the Big Crunch, which is what happens before the Big Bang. Got it. Um, isn't that crazy if that happens in real life? Like, our universe just keeps expanding. What if it gets to a point where it starts compressing on itself? Galad, however, does not die. After bonding with the sentience of the universe, he changes and gestates for billions of years in an egg made of debris from his ship that the current universe formed after the Big Bang. He emerges as Galactus, and though a Watcher observed Galactus's birth and recognizes his destructive nature, the Watcher chooses not to kill him. Starving for sustenance, Galactus consumes the nearby planet of Archipo- Ar- Archaeopia, the first of many planets he would destroy to maintain his existence. He's a world eater. Yeah, he literally fucking eats worlds. So yeah. I don't think he's a, a celestial. No, I think he's his own thing. Kind of. So. Do they bring... Is Galactus, like, soon? Like, do they... They, he, they got to be going that direction. See the next, imagine. the next Thanos. And I feel like the reason they're going that direction is next category, visual slash cinematography, what'd you give it? 20. Give it a 19. Oh, okay. <laughs> I appreciate your 20, though. Um, is because the visuals in this look fucking incredible, and the celestial and the scenes with the humans in the celestial and the celestial on the planet, that's what you need to make a Galactus look fucking incredible. Which I recall when the first Eternals trailer came out months ago, you said that the red guy looked fucking dumb. <laughs> I remember you saying that. No, I said the fucking deviant right, dude looked right. dumb. And what do you think now? He looked, he looked okay. <laughs> he looked fine in the movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there's enough close-ups for me to really notice the shit that I like zoomed in on my phone. Yeah. He looked good, though. All the deviants and everything looked great. My only complaint, uh, color... Okay. It was kind of like a, a muted palette. It wasn't yeah. bright and colorful and everything. Action scenes looked incredible. Visuals mm-hmm. looked incredible. CGI looked incredible. Why'd you get it a 19 then? Because well, colors? colors, yeah. I originally gave it a 19 because it kept changing aspect ratio on IMAX, and that made me mad. But, you know what? I'm just going to... If you would have watched that in a regular theater, you never would have noticed. Yeah, for sure. And I, I don't know if that was... Like I said, I saw... Well, I told you I saw Black Widow, and that didn't happen in Black Widow. Um, so I don't know if that was uh, a Chloe Zhao decision or... Our theater, I don't think it was our theater, because what I read is that certain movies will do it. Um, but, yeah, wide shots would obviously be the full, you know, IMAX aspect ratio, and then they would go back to the regular. 
Yeah. Which wouldn't have bothered me as much if they weren't doing quick cuts in between yeah. both. Like, it'd be an action scene where it's, like, big IMAX screen, small conversation, small screen, big IMAX screen, and just go back and forth. Like, stop, stop that. What was your impression of IMAX? It was fucking beautiful. The sound, the yes. screen, the M it was fantastic. I'm glad you had a good time. I can't wait to watch Spider-Man and IMAX. So we're now. going to go see that? Million, million percent. All right, great. Um, yeah, and just my favorite probably scene of the entire movie was the fight scene between Icarus and uh, the fast girl. Can't remember her name. Ooh, yeah. Oh, that name is Cersei, Athena, Ajax, Icarus, Kingo, Phantom, Makari. Which we'll talk about it when we get to characters. But you know, there's a very similar scene in Justice League, and that was my favorite part of Justice League. I told you that yep. is the scene where Flash is running and you see Superman's eyes turn, like going his speed. But it's in you know super fast. They do the thing where he's going so fast, but it's slow motion because it's so fast. Yeah. Like I, I like that cinematography trick, and you see Superman's eyes tracing him. Um, they did that just better. They did more of it. Like, you didn't get the eyes, but you got the whole, like, she's going super fast, and then you kind of – they he, slowed like, it down her. at time, but then they also, like, were doing quick fighting and made it look good where they were going, obviously, super fast, but they were obviously going fast on the screen still, but, like, slow enough where we could see what was going on, and it was great, man. I enjoyed this um, a lot, a lot, and, and I think part of that is this is the best Superman fight scene I've ever seen, and this is the best <laughs> Flash fight scene I've ever seen. In a Marvel movie with neither Superman or Flash. Oh, yeah. The scenes with Icarus and his fucking laser beam eyes and shit were so cool. And him, like, flying through the fucking air, like, having a dogfight with a deviant and the lasers was fucking incredible. It looked so good. And then the fucking Makari scene where she's doing, it's like the, I think I said it was like a finisher in, like, the the Mortal Kombat DC games. Mm -hmm. That's like a Flash finisher where he just fucking, like, super speed punching someone. Yeah. That's so cool. It was fucking awesome to watch. And what worked with those scenes is while Icarus was very, very overpowered and obviously the strongest, yeah, um, he wasn't like Superman unkillable, which yeah. helps <laughs> because they all had their thing and like he seemed like he had more than everyone else, but also like it's you know Superman's as fast as the Flash and strong as anyone else. This felt like Gilgamesh with the the fucking punches was stronger than Icarus, yeah, and and Makari was faster than Icarus, yeah. but he still had touches of all of that to where he was like the. It's exactly what DC needs to, like, just nerf Superman. He was the nerf Superman, and it made it so much better. Um, Now, here's a question for you, Ty. We're talking about characters. We're not even – you know what? We're going to jump straight into characters. We're going to skip a category. We're going to go out of order here. Fine with it. Um, I'm going to start with my question first. Is did you – do you think he comes back? Because he flew into the sun. Icarus flew too close to the sun. Yeah. But if you recall, (laughs) um, these guys are literally made in factories, and is there potential where they – you can say the Celestial saved him before he fully died. Because you can say the other two died, died because they got their eternal whatever sucked out of them. Or does he get made again and implanted that's, with the memories? Well, that's what I mean. Like, he gets saved, made again, wiped memories, and then the Celestial pretty much tells him all his purpose. And, like, he has to go fuck up these Eternals. And he's in the next film, and he's just the mini-boss, and he has to fuck him up. I don't know. I will say I've, I really hope he comes back. Because I really enjoyed all the action scenes with Icarus in this. They were incredible. Um, and and I, I was kind of bummed when he just, like, went and committed, like, son suicide. It's <laughs> like, what, what are you doing? Come back. <laughs> just get there and think about it, and then don't don't jump. Yeah, well, it was, the, it was you know, he had his, his service to fill and... Went against that. Going to live with himself. Was, yeah. I gave characters a 14. I gave characters... 17. Okay. So, again, the, my main thing with the story was the action stuff. I didn't love it. 
Yeah. Main thing with the story that I did like and really enjoy was all the character moments and stuff. Yeah. Which naturally leads me to give this a great character score because I really like Cersei and, and that character and the arc they had with her. Really liked Icarus. Really liked and Athena was whatever. Ajax was whatever. I, I liked Sprite. Kingo was fantastic. Fastos, fantastic. Um, the small amount of Makari we got, I enjoyed her. Gilgamesh was fantastic. And it's this team-up movie where they introduce all these characters. And, mm. you know, we have nothing to go off of. And I leave the movie wanting more of all these characters. I'm bummed out when it seems like Icarus died because I want to see more stories told with this character. That's fair. Ajax, whatever. Athena. <laughs> Athena was honestly the letdown. You get Angelina Jolie, big-name actress. I wanted more out of her, not just she's the crazy one. Yeah. Now, the uh, I think Karun was fantastic. While these characters, you know, it was it was solid, and I do want to see more of them. I feel like there was I don't want to say poten- unwasted potential, but I feel like there was a seed that was planted and didn't fully grow. And I think it's because the hour the movie was maybe two and a half hours, and maybe if this was a series, I don't know. I just there was definitely character growth in certain areas. I feel like. There could have been so like there could have been more. Like I felt like I just wanted a little bit more, which I didn't want this movie to be thirty minutes longer. I don't know. Whereas it's like Thena's crazy and she sees the end days and part of her memories are still in there. I get all that, and she has her small redeeming moment killing that deviant. But it's like I don't know. I feel like there could have been a little bit more there. You have the character uh, who the mind control character who takes control and everything, and like you know he helps Druig. them out, Druig, and it's like there was a little bit more of like him being like okay, whatever, you know gonna let humanity make their mistakes and like i don't know if it's small movies throughout you know you have the character um i thought uh the inventor's character was could have been really compelling we didn't really get him until the second two-thirds of the movie and yeah where you find out he pretty much you know he didn't invent the atomic bomb but his technology led to that yeah and like you know you get the scene with him going back and forth and everything and it's like maybe he creates something that helps them win or i don't know like there's there's more stories to be told, and we'll you know sometimes with these Marvel films you get three movie character arcs. You know that's just yeah. how they do things, especially in team ups. So there's there's more work to be done. It's there, but there's more work to be done. I'm excited for them to do that work. And I mean the most character I think was like Icarus. I mean you get the not you know you find out he's like for the uh, Celestials and he goes against his purpose and he literally kills himself. Like you know like and then you have uh, Camille Nanjani who just walks away. Not a wow. lot of character growth there, just kind of comedic relief, but it's okay. Yeah. I mean, Kingo, there, I, I'm trying to remember. There was a thing with him and Sprite a little bit, and you get some stuff from Kingo. Mm-hmm. He was comedic relief, and he was fantastic yeah. in that role, so I'm fine with it. Um, Icarus, I, I like the reveal that he was the only one that Ajax actually revealed the true mm-hmm. mission to, and so that's why he left Cersei before, because she was enjoying her life, and he knew that it was going to have to come to an end because they are going to have to destroy this planet. And, and like had to tell her yeah. that internal conflict with him that they reveal. I appreciate that. I like that aspect of it. Yeah. And Sprite, I mean, you know, you see her at the beginning, literally like pretending to be a, a dude or chick. Well, she is a chick. Sorry. Excuse me. But like pretending to be a different chick, um, you know, to flirt with people. And like you see that she wants to be a person and everything. And then like that kind of comes full circle. And there, there definitely is there. And it's the characters that are in it more. Um, but like Congo, I don't know. He's kind of selfish in the beginning movie star. And he's kind of selfish at the end, just walking away. But whatever. Who am I to say? Yeah. That's fair. Uh, Gilgamesh, I appreciated him and like his relationship with Thena, mm-hmm. and and I really liked that character. Very bummed out he got killed off because he was funny and I enjoyed his action scenes and I enjoyed the relationship between him and Thena, yeah, more than just the Thena character. Yeah, um, Druig, uh, there, it's intriguing. I don't think they did much with him, but his character is very intriguing with the ability to just like 
fucking control everyone. Yeah. Like, he feels just as OP as Icarus if he wanted to be. Yeah, for sure. Um, I appreciated the Fastos character and him kind of not wanting to do it because he has a family. Mm-hmm. First gay superhero. Shout out Fastos. Is that true? Yeah, it got to be true. In a Marvel movie, yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. You think they did gay superheroes before, like, 1990s? Well, I'm sure there's comic books now and well, stuff. No, well, live action. Okay. There hasn't been a DC one? Name one. I don't know. The <laughs> actor behind The Flash is gay. I don't know. I, I was just asking. I'm going with that. Okay. Makari, first deaf superhero. Yeah. I know that one. Which no. pretty much isn't really deaf because she can feel the vibrations in your voice and know exactly what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Which, like, she's that. deaf, but, like... Not really. That's just crazy. Well, I mean, Daredevil's blind, but he has, like, hyper, like, bat vision, so he's not really blind. <laughs> so it's like, they're gonna, we're going to give him a handicap, but not really. Like, we're giving him a cheat code around this, which real people don't get. Which kind of fucked up to make an eternal and then make him deaf. Yeah, you, it's odd. Like, I'm <laughs> making you in a, in a... Like, I'm creating a perfect being. But also, you can't hear now. <laughs> I don't know. But... I'm sure um, in the comics it was explained like she couldn't have her hearing that way she could have the vibration. You know yeah, she's I mean? going too fast, blew out her eardrums. Be an issue. Well, I was thinking maybe like lose one sense and your other senses are heightened kind of thing. Oh. Yeah. So why can all the other ones have cool <laughs> I stuff? Know. I don't know. Why is she the only one hindered by her ability? <laughs> I don't know. Like, Kingo, we're going to give you hand lasers, but you have peg feet. <laughs> like your hands are getting a buff, your feet are getting nerfed down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, so my main take, like, obviously you spend the most time. Cersei and Icarus are the main characters of this. And then you get the rest of the team and then building the team up. I also didn't give it a higher score because I thought uh, Angelina Jolie had some not great acting at times, which was kind of surprising. She was my letdown of she's this. She's a for horrible fake crier. Yeah, it wasn't great. She was a letdown, and she's, like, the biggest name in yeah. this, too. And she was the letdown both performance-wise and writing-wise. I also didn't like the scene, which I did see uh, your the Barstool guy, Ken Jack, talk about like clunky acting in big moments. So I probably was subconsciously looking out for that. I did feel like the Sprite monologue when she stabs um, uh, Sylvie? Not Sylvie. That's Cersei? Loki. Cersei. It did feel a little like actor with not a lot of experience. Like the way it was just delivered, like yeah. fake emotion, but it is yeah. what it is. And there was that. But my main takeaway is you introduced all these characters, and I want to see more with all these characters. Just a little bit you got between Makari and Druig and that relationship. I want to see more of that and that expanded on. Give Camille his own show. Fuck yeah. What's Give the me the ch- backstory of Camille being a Bollywood star. Yeah, what's the chances of them making like a 10-minute like a short like Camille movie? Like a movie with his character. You know what I mean? Like a fake movie. I don't know, but he's been very active on Twitter hyping this movie up, so he's all for being in the MCU. Give him as much as he needs. Well, yeah, Disney Plus thing. Like a 10-minute yeah. special release, like all those movie posters he's had. Like it's that movie, and it's a 10-minute short me, Give film. me like a like a behind-the-scenes of one of his films where he like narrates and breaks down the film and stuff. We just get little blips of him using his eternal powers. Like, uh, cut that. Will the Blu-ray disc have the uh, – they should do this. They should hire us. Um, they really Fuck should. Yeah. The Blu-ray – of Eternal slash DVD should have the final, like, because he has this guy recording his, not escort, but whatever, his manager recording everything on mm-hmm. all those different cameras. The Blu-ray should have that recording. Like, you could play it, and it's like a five-minute documentation of everything that happened through those camera lenses. Would love that. Yeah. You know that camera then, was recording. You know they had him actually recording on set. And then 
you could redcon some shit and show Camille when he walks away from everyone and like what was happening where he was that at time. And you then, could like, show him, him like sucked up or whatever, literally you know? in the plane floating, like I said. And like, yeah. oh shit, he was a part of the Unimind thing. Yeah. They what? just <laughs> give me a call, Kevin. I know you listen. Give me a call. <laughs> um, key elements tie. I gave it a fifteen. Okay, so went into this expecting a slower character-based thing. Wasn't even known really what to get with the action. I gave it a 20. I fucking loved the action we got. And while it was slower, I loved I liked the, the, the small amount of comedy and the character stuff. Everything that this movie was trying to achieve in terms of those, I loved it. Look, I gave it a good score, so it's not like I'm shitting on your score. I just think it's a bold stance to give, like, the one thing that everyone's, like, complaining about with this movie. That's is fine. That it doesn't lean into the key element of the director or the MCU. And just to give that a fucking and, perfect and so, one. And so, yes, they're like, it's not this or this. It's and my thing, thing is it's in the middle, and that's what it was shooting for, was to be a Gemma Chan Marvel movie. Sorry. And it was a fantastic Gemma Chan Chloe Marvel. Zhao. Chloe Zhao. Gemma Chan's the actress. Chloe Zhao Marvel movie. I loved it. The action scenes were... This was the best DC action I've ever seen. Uh, DC? Yeah. The Superman and the Flash, and, and it was yeah. fantastic. I loved every action scene, and while there weren't as many of them, I loved all of them. I loved the scale that they tried <sighs> to create with the Celestials and how big everything was and that setting of, like, that fucking just stone head and hand sticking out of the earth now and stuff. And just the scale of this movie and the character building and the team coming together... I fucking loved it. And I get it, and I know it's not getting reviews, and I know that's not what people love. For some reason, it was exactly what I wanted without me knowing what I wanted. Okay. Um, yeah, I think when you're, you're a Marvel movie, though, there is some level of expectation. Uh, that you, Not expectation, but uh, some level of key element that you're going to have to address. And obviously, that's lacking there. I didn't hurt it there. Um, it is artsy. Um, you know, very visual beautifully um that gets points yeah um you know i know chloe Zhao has done better things in terms of smaller you know more character driven stories which this is a character driven superhero movie so i don't know i just gave it a 15 it was i i felt like i, I see what you're saying where it's like it's, i'm not blowing off the expectations it created your its own lane what it was supposed trying to be yeah i don't know if it meant to create its own lane though which is where i think our five point difference is and i i respect your opinion because I think this is what it was trying it was to be. Trying to be, it's like let's make it different. I, but who knows? I'm not Chloe Zhao. I feel like obviously you come in, get this big name director who isn't going to be like her movie. Just will not fit in the Marvel if it's just her movie. But a Marvel movie, they aren't going to bring her in if they're trying to make a regular Marvel movie. So what they were trying to do is this, where you get these character moments, you build this team, you have that emotion, you still get incredible action, which was. I loved every fucking action scene. There wasn't a single one I disliked in this. And you still have those comedic elements where it's Gilgamesh, Kingo, um, you know, what was it? Sprite making Kingo look like he's in like, a, not Kingo, Gilgamesh look like he's in like a baby outfit yeah. and shit. Like all of that stuff. The, the comedy stuff was funny in it. And the emotional moments were emotional and the, and the character moments were great for the characters. And the action was incredible. And the scale of it and visually was exactly what I was hoping for and expecting. And it was fantastic. I also think there's there's a uh, a plot expectation with these superhero movies, and it was lacking there. Well, I think this is what they were trying to do with the plot. I didn't give it a great plot score. I gave it an okay plot score. It's my lowest score so far, I think. 
I this oh. movie felt like exactly what I was. Oh man, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not it, trying to laugh. I'm just that's funny. I, I that stand was by the it. one area I was like, okay, Tyler will probably like nope twenty. <laughs> I stand by it. It's my highest score. Uh, get, so you give me you're giving a twenty for enjoyment. Well, no, Key Elements is my highest score. Maybe oh. that tied. Maybe didn't. Well, what's your enjoyment tied? Eighteen. Okay. Previously would have been a twenty. Um, but you've changed oh, your like, scale for well, a while. Let's see, I, what the fuck? <laughs> like forties, fifties since I've changed my scale like that. Um, I gave it a sixteen for enjoyment. Um, that's a solid enjoyed film, and it's up there with you know other superhero movies. I gave Suicide Squad a seventeen. I like this a little bit less, and I think it just kind of. I was a little tired. That probably affects it, but I like I said, I think it was twenty minutes too long. You cut out some of the fat of this movie, um, and. Moving forward, I'm excited what they could do. I, I kind of view this – it's a very different movie than Dune. Um, <laughs> yeah, very different. Very different. But I kind of – my takeaway from the film is I'm excited for Dune 2. I'm excited to see what they do with the Eternals. And I feel like maybe the first one will look better in retrospect to me. But I feel like the second one, or however they implement them into the story, whether it's Eternals 2 or whatever, is going to be – they're going to build off what they established in this film. And it's going to be better. Okay. Uh, for me, uh, Dune 1, literally the only thing I took away from it was I want the next one. I want to go watch Eternals again. And I, I see, I don't know about that for me. And that's fair. And I get that people don't like this movie. Like, I'm fully aware that my score is higher than maybe most people's <laughs> scores would be. But for me, something about it just worked. And I had a fucking blast watching it. You know what it might have been? It might have been an IMAX bump. <laughs> I mean, I, I the small sample size. I can't say no. <laughs> but I had a blast watching it. It was... The action scenes were fantastic. I liked all the character stuff. And it just worked for me. And I get it if it doesn't work for some people, but it did for me. And I had a blast with it. And I I know it's a longer movie, but God damn it, with how many times I've seen Infinity War, that don't phase me. I'll rewatch a long movie. Have you seen Eternals? Didn't you want to see if your dad was going to watch it? Yeah, he hasn't watched it yet, so I haven't gone back. Um, hi, Riley, if you're listening to this podcast. Uh, sorry, we kind of spoiled the movie for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just... there. Like I said, I, I I view it as kind of a mid lower mid tier Marvel movie, and that's fine. It's that's still in good company, and I think of a movie like Shang Shang Chi, which I really enjoyed, and like I would watch Shang Chi again. And I mean, I don't really watch a lot of stuff on Disney Plus, just as is in my lifestyle. But like, I would turn Shang Chi on and be you know excited to watch it on Disney Plus. It is coming to Disney Plus Disney Plus Day, November twelfth. Um, this I think there's some time, and I think this is a classic. I'm gonna probably rewatch this when the next Eternals comes out. Like it's just you know, and there's yeah. there's and that's the thing is like there's really enjoyable moments in this film, like that final fight scene, and with like I said, and I like I loved the jungle fight scene with the deviants. Yeah, that there's and then but there was also a little bit of kind of sludge, and I think as they iron that out moving forward, it's going to be really good. Now you know I didn't give anything re- a kind of bad score besides story, but your score is going to naturally just be way higher than mine because you just consistently gave it more points in every category. You gave it more in visuals, motherfucker. Um, I gave it a 76 out of 100, which I know you're going to say that's criminal. <laughs> it shouldn't be that low, Ty, but I feel like that's fair where I'm at. It's still fresh, and it is it is what it is, my man. My final score is 89. <laughs> I had a blast with this movie. It's one point lower than Shang-Chi, which I do think Shang-Chi was, Shang-Chi was a better movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, this movie worked for me, and I think our aggregate score will be perfectly accurate representation of where it should be. But I don't know what it was. I had such a good time with this movie. Also, yeah. first Marvel sex scene. Yeah. They be boning now. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they are, Ty. 
Now I'm looking back at I'm trying to compare and contrast real quick. Where did I For what? Shang-Chi? Okay, so I'm no I'm looking at my Black Widow score and because Black Widow's three points higher and while again I, I I it's weird because it's like Eternals is a more ambitious film than Black Widow because Black Widow literally feels like a vanilla MCU movie. Now that was the first MCU movie I'd seen in two years. Um, maybe I should have give plot a little bit lower on Black Widow, but like I I stand I, I I agree with all my other ratings. Um, if I give Black Widow a little bit lower, then they're around the same score. I just it's just two different things. Like I applaud Eternals for doing what it was trying like you know trying to do what it was trying to do. And there were some hurdles that they had to overcome that maybe they didn't fully overcome. Whereas Black Widow was the vanilla MCU equation, you know, and like, it, it's weird. It, it's weird. It's a weird feeling for me. I'm going to be honest. I almost feel bad that I have them on the same level because Black Widow just isn't close to being as, you know, um, it's like the safe route. Yeah, it, it is. It is. And, you know, and I think Eternals will maybe stand the better test of time as they make more properties with these films. Yeah, for me, there's a 14-point gap between the two, <laughs> and that feels right for me because Black Widow, while it was vanilla in the safe route, I, I also feel like that kind of gets points taken away that you didn't take any risk and you gave me such a vanilla movie. Yeah, which, I mean, I, I mean, it got a, it in the 70s for both of us, so it's not like it got a great score. So. Yeah, but it's still you know, lower-tier Marvel, yeah. in my opinion, whereas this is upper-tier Marvel. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I I loved it. I had such a good time with it. I was trying to find my MCU list. I couldn't find it and see where this and Black Widow would kind of pigeonhorn in there. Maybe I have to redo my list. Maybe that's something we do in an off week. Even though we've done that before, um, there's been like six Marvel movies since then. So maybe we'll just have to change that. And who knows? I mean, my list will probably be way different. I'll probably have a movie at three over a movie that I had at four that now I rate that movie at four at three. You know what I mean? Um, maybe that's something we have to do maybe after Spider-Man or whatever. Um, yeah, I maybe I feel like after Spider-Man would be a good time to do a new Marvel list. Well, Doctor opinions have changed. Yeah, and- I don't know when Doctor Strange comes out. It's just we kind of have to find a dry period where there's like more than two months a gap. Um, so the consensus score for this tie that brings it up to like what eighty four Eternals. I don't see is it. sitting at twenty oh, six out of. Do we hit hundred yet? Ninety seven. No. Uh, what's his name is going to be a hundred. It's supposed to be at least Law Abiding Citizen. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Out of 97, 26, 82 and a half. Same as Birds of Prey. Okay. Um, Which you gave it five points higher than Birds of Prey, and I gave this five points higher than Eternals. You gave Birds of Prey. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Um, In the Heights, Her, Cruella, Little Above It, Judas and the Black Messiah, Uncut Gems, Palm Springs, and The Dark Knight Rises. Okay. That's fine. I get that I'm probably in the minority with how much I like this movie. So, like, criticism, you can throw whatever criticism at me, and I can take it. <laughs> it's fine, Ty. You can like a movie. And I did. I did like this movie. Um, so, next week. Oh, wait, no. First, random Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes movie score, Ty. Talk to me. We could watch Clifford this week. Um, oh, time out. Pause. Yeah. post credit scenes for Eternals. First one, Eros. I don't even remember him anymore. Oh, Harry Styles, yes. Harry Styles. Now, I did not take any points away, but this is the worst CGI in the MCU to date, was Harry Styles' little fucking dwarf? Yeah. Dwarf guy? He looked awful. I thought I didn't have No, you didn't realize it then. <laughs> it was the worst CGI in the MCU to date. <laughs> okay. Hands, it looked like a 2002 movie. Worse than the Black Panther? Easily. Wow. It looked awful. Wow. 
But setting up another movie, connection to Thanos, uh, Harry Styles is in the MCU. And then second one was Dane Whitman, who we didn't even touch on. Black Knight was in this movie. He was like kind of a minor character, early love interest of Jim and Chan's character. Yep. Um, Dane Whitman is Black Knight, comic book character, Mm -hmm. whatever. And you get a little tease at the end of the movie, him saying like, yeah, there's some history with my family and stuff Mm -hmm. that, you know, I'm learning about or whatever. Um, It's that he's a fucking superhero. Yeah. And so you see him at the end, like Gemma Chan gets taken away, her Cersei character, and he goes to like grab this sword, which has like weird, weird vibes going on mm-hmm. with it, like reaching out to him. Mm-hmm. And then you get a voice calling to him. Yeah. And then it cuts. The theory is, I don't know if you saw Riley, that that is supposed to be Blade, Blade. right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's less than a theory and more confirmed, mm-hmm. um, which is exciting. So is he going to be in the Blade movie then? I don't, I I'm think not familiar so. with Blade, so. Blade kills vampires with swords. Okay. Black Knight. Sword. Sword. Got it. So that was almost more supposed to be like a Blade tease than a Black Knight tease. Because, come on, be honest. Who the fuck cares about Black Knight? No one. No <laughs> one cares about Black Knight. But Blade, people are ready. Um, to circle back real quick, speaking of the post-credit scenes, my thought process is all over the place. Um, we didn't really get any answers to the Shang-Chi post-credits of, you know, you have the rings and, like, the theory was that maybe it came from the Eternals because it had, like, you know, cosmic energy from the Big yeah. Bang, which it very well still could. But, you know, that wasn't there wasn't any like tie in there. And we still don't have any answers to that. So there's a lot of unanswered questions. Yeah. And it very well could have been something in like a dry period before World War Two where, you know, the super smart character. I need his fucking name. Fastos Mm -hmm. made them made them. Yeah. Yeah. And you just never see him. Well, no, because uh, the, the guy had him for a long time. Yeah, they've been here for a long. They were here before, like, Yeah, AD. but you said pre-World War II, so that I was thinking, like, 1900. Just any time, because he said he stopped making stuff after World War yeah. II. Yeah. But it very well could be. There's still no indication of it. And you feel like if that is where the, the route they were headed after the, the Shang-Chi post credit scene, they would have showed that. So still no answer on that. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I don't know. But, yeah, that was the first one. No, that wasn't the first one. That was a different movie post credit yeah. scene. But Eros and then Blade. First Blade tease of the MCU. Eternals 47%. That's crazy. Um, in this film, dying in this film, Salma Hayek. Yep. Now, I'll tell you, Ty. Not really so much anymore. I'm an older man. But when I was, like, in my teenage years, I was like, I thought Salma Hayek was pretty good looking. That's just the grown-ups effect. You watch grown-ups and you're like, this, this. Which leads me to the movie. That I first was like, Salma Hayek, not Grown Ups 1. I really Grown started taking notice in Grown Ups 2 on the big screen. <laughs> Grown Ups 2? Because I saw Grown it in theaters. Grown Ups 2 come out. Don't look it up. You're going to see the score. Okay, I didn't. But when did it come out? 2013. I was 15 years old. Okay. I was a teenager, bro. It's Grown Ups 1. I just want to be. That, that was Grown Ups 1. You were in the minority as being like her and Grown Ups 2. Look, I first. It's her and Grown Ups 1 that I think most people would be like. Our, most people our age, I should say. She's been in movies for fucking ever. And she's a great actress. Look, I first took notice in Grown Ups 2. That's all I can say. Okay. For whatever reason. So which, I need the Grown Ups 2 Rotten Tomatoes score. Grown Ups 2. Now, I'll go out and say it, Ty. I was young and dumb. I liked the two Grown Ups movies back in the day. First one's fun. Second one, I was even back in the day, was not a fan. I liked it more than the first one when I saw it. I haven't seen either of them since then. So, I mean, I could go back and be like, what the hell? I also really liked Hubie Halloween, and I brought up the point that me and Riley should make it a yearly tradition to watch Hubie Halloween. But 
you know, near Halloween time and we didn't. So that's because it's a shit movie. Um, 115 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, PG 13, 2013. <sighs> what did Grown Ups 2 get? This is hard for me because it's a bad movie. I'll, t- I'll tell you this. It's not fresh. <laughs> yeah. No, you didn't have to give I me that hint. I just eliminated like 59%. Of you didn't have to give me that hint. Um, it's not a good movie. And I feel like sometimes there's an Adam Sandler bump. But then there's sometimes where it's like Adam Sandler's doing too much and he gets a zero. Like Jack and Jill. Is <laughs> um, completely random. But is uh, Al Pacino and Jack and Jill just the weirdest casting of all time? Have you seen the video the- of, of the Dunkachino? Yeah. It's fucking he told incredible. me about it, yeah, and I saw it. It's fantastic. <laughs> like, that's the biggest, like, I need money, right? Casting of all time. I, I guess. I don't even know. I don't understand any explanation for that. He just wanted to hang out with Adam Sandler. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll be in your fucking movie. I'll shoot a scene, whatever. I don't know how much is in it. I've n- never watched that movie. <laughs> um, Grown Ups 2, we're going to rock a 24%. Overestimated. 24, the second number of Kobe Bryant. It was really the first number of Kobe Eight? Bryant. 8%. Yeah, that feels right, but I didn't want to go that low. I almost said 18. And I was like, nah, that's too low. 8%. That's incredible. Now, Grown Ups 1, Rotten Tomatoes, probably what? 36 is my guess before 47. 11. Oh, they're both. Really? <laughs> yeah. I would have wow. been way more, I would have been way off on the first one. 62 audience on that one. Grown Ups 2. Those were fine. They're Adam Sandler movies. Rotten movies. Uh, Armin White did not review Eternals. Um, so, yeah. Next week. Uh, I want to touch on while we're still MCU real quick before we talk about next week's movie. Uh, Hawkeye comes out two weeks. Yeah. So, just want to remind the audience that uh, in not next week, but the week following, we'll also be talking about Hawkeye. And unlike um, What If, it's like individual stories, so we didn't really touch on it. This is going to be a weekly thing. It's oh, going to yeah. be on every episode. This is yeah. storytelling show Mm -hmm. we'll be reviewing that story being told Mm -hmm. in that show Mm -hmm. and i'm very excited for it i just i like marvel content i'm sure once i get into it i'll be like yeah but right now i am not in a state of excitement i I guess i said very i'm excited okay i wouldn't say very it's just marvel content look i was excited for loki next one i'm excited for she hulk um, which I did say we might get a Spider-Man trailer for Disney Plus Day. Probably won't. But wouldn't it be shocking if we get a, a show trailer? That actually would make sense. Show trailer? A future show that we haven't gotten. A trailer oh. on Disney Plus Day. That would make sense. Miss Marvel? Is that the next one after this? I think I just saw that they confirmed that for a quarter four of 2022. Oh, so there's a lot of shows in between that. She-Hulk then. and Moon Knight is the next two. Or Moon Knight, then She-Hulk, I believe. Excited for Moon Knight. Oscar Isaac. Yeah. Can't wait. Maybe that's the one we get. What do we have on the docket next week, Ty? Next week, minor scheduling error, and I, I looked it up, did some research. Originally was going to release on the 11th, got pushed back a week. Okay. It was going to be Ghostbusters. <laughs> okay. No longer Ghostbusters. It's Netflix's highest budgeted film yet. $200 million. The first movie ever that's a Fast and the Furious movie, not in Fast and the Furious. Okay. It's Dwayne Johnson playing his character in Fast and the Furious. Hobbs, yeah. It's Ryan Reynolds playing his character in Hobbs and Shaw in Fast and the Furious. And it's Gal Gadot being a badass like she is in Fast and the Furious. <laughs> it's the first unofficial Fast and the Furious movie. <laughs> okay. Uh, Red Notice. <laughs> Red Notice. I, we believe it's already out in theaters, but it's coming it to is. streaming. It's made a million dollars. Ooh. <laughs> which, I mean, it's only released in 750 theaters, which isn't a lot. Yeah, I wonder if that was like a... 
I don't know what the reviews are, but I wonder if that was like an Academy Award thing there, like trying to get probably. some visuals. Yeah. It got to be released in theaters like the it's Irishman. It's probably in like drive-ins and shit. Yeah. Yeah. But Netflix, um, free to watch. Go watch some some Dwayne. Releases on Friday the 12th. Ryan Reynolds shenanigans with Gal Gadot just being Gal Gadot. Now, if you aren't intrigued enough yet, this is the first review on Google. Talk to me. Audience reviews. Oh, well, I just spoiled something for myself. That's right. <laughs> audience review. First audience review for Red Notice. Indiana Jones meets National Treasure. Okay. <laughs> this was one of the best films to come along in a long time. The humor and action never stopped. Watch for Ryan Reynolds' Aviation Gins cameo, smiley face. The not-so-subtle nod to a sequel leaves us looking forward to the next Now, one. hold on. If Ryan Reynolds gets his Aviation Gin in there, Dwayne's got to get Terramana Tequila in there too, right? Yeah. Like, are they at a bar just drinking their own alcohols? Probably. Now, this is a review by Rebecca F. Pittman. Okay. So, I just want to let the people know. Talk to me, Becca. <laughs> Rebecca, she likes this movie. Okay. That's fucking funny. Oh, that was, that was her review. I thought yeah. we had another. Okay, no. no, Becca's the one who said yeah. incredible Indiana movie. Indiana Jones meets National Treasure. Now, Indiana Jones is like very, very well critic received movie. National Treasure is not. Well, it's like a cult. It is a cult classic, and it's its own thing. So I don't know what to expect from this movie. That's like what's like a like a really highly revered like action movie, like like, um, just, like a dad action movie that's actually like really nicely like received. Die Hard. That's like us being like this is Die Hard meets Law Abiding Citizen. <laughs> like like, yeah, like, I I don't know where to go with this. <laughs> Die Hard meets Six Underground. <laughs> Oh man, I'm excited you ever for seen it National now. National Treasure, they're pretty good. <laughs> I love National Treasure; fantastic movies. All right, so that we'll, Nick Cage bangers. Can we add an extra, um, just an extra point to our our final scores if we agree with it's a, a blend of Indiana Jones and National Treasure? Yeah, I'll bump it up one in enjoyment, <laughs> and my enjoyment scale will be bumped up. No, one. I want, it should be its own thing. Oh, it gets like its, its own, own sixth one, category this week. <laughs> one out of one, you either get one or zero. Was it Indiana Jones means National Treasure? <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with that. I'll change my score accordingly. Oh, man. That's fantastic. That's that should funny. be fun. <laughs> um, that's all we got. Uh, we we are – what's that one Bernie meme where it's like we're asking for, for something one more time? I don't know. I don't fucking know. Give us five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, leave a review. Um, So the main goal here, Armin White is a shit review, doesn't watch his movies that he reviews – yeah. And he gets the review on Rotten Tomatoes, Jay, and I don't think that's right. It's not. So we also want a review on Rotten Tomatoes. Which we have to, if we did, it would be us as one entity. So we'd have to come up with some common ground there. I, we literally have our aggregates. <laughs> what are you talking about? Right. So I think our entire scale is based the, on our aggregate common ground. The blurb. The blurb. Okay, so we'll just write a fucking review of what we thought. While some may think this, others think this. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Overall, however, but then we come into Hubie Halloween where I gave it a seventy. We just we we abstain from Hubie <laughs> Halloween. If it's if it's a situation where one of us says fresh, one of us says rotten, we just don't review it. Fair enough. All right, we can pick and choose. Yeah. So if you're still listening, leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. We need to get to two hundred, um, which and, and some other things. But we're looking good. That's a lofty goal, but I think we can get there. We will. So I'm excited for it. I can't wait to shit on Armand White in my Rotten Tomatoes review. Okay. <laughs> You got anything else, Jay? That's all I got. Red Notice, Netflix, go watch it. Go watch Eternals if you haven't, and you just listen to our entire breakdown of it. Yeah. 
in the meantime, be a good friend, everybody. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers stay clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big- 